All right, we are coming into our second hour. And believe it or not, it sounds like we're living, that we're alive, although this is a kind of ominous note to start on, because what if Waylon or I pass away before this gets broadcast? But we're actually pre-recording this. Uh, you know, a lot of this is due to the fact that Waylon is such an adventurer. He likes to go around and... Uh, well, he can probably explain it. We'll talk about his summer. Right now, he's sitting across from me, trying to get as comfortable as a person could possibly get. He's got his sh- oh, he has sandals on, rather. He's trying to work the chair. He can't seem to work the chair. Meanwhile, you know, I have been trying to show him what a good production guy it was. I checked. I made sure we were recording. I checked the flash drive in my computer and all this kind of stuff that you would think that a guy like Waylon, who is production heavy, would stop and say, hey, Cody, you know, I've been noticing, actually, that you're pretty good at production. Did not happen, so I had to actually bring it up myself. And then he seemed to just get confused as to what I was saying. Like, he seemed to take every opportunity just to be like, what, you want me to You want me to be impressed that you have a flash drive? Uh, do you want me to be impressed that you know how to put a flash drive in? Uh, like, what? And I'm like, no, I want you to be impressed that I put the flash drive in, I checked that we're recording, I brought it over the laptop, I made sure we're recording so that we're not wasting our time. And then he's like, oh, this reminds me of a story of something I tell my students. So, this is what it's like to be partnered up with Waylon. Okay, any thoughts, Waylon? No, your mic's not on, sucker. Uh, he fell for that again. Boy. Now, since we're not live, I can't really put out an all-points bulletin to the security about Vanessa, Waylon's orange, bright orange fan. But, uh, I, you know, I'm just hoping that the gods, the gods of UMass find the van. I'm sure it's parked on some curb or on some, you know, Dean's lawn or some animal house type situation. I hope. And by the way, there is a parking garage here. I don't know why you don't believe me. There's a parking garage really close by. And on Sundays, it's free, like the gates up. But you think because the, the things are numbered that you can't go in them. But that's the number you use to remember where you parked your car. Those numbers don't belong to anybody. You do get that, right? Your mic is not on. I don't know why you can't understand that your mic is not on. Jeez. He's a slow learner, you know, but very proud. All right. Well, we're going to be back. And today we're going to actually be talking about globalism. That's a kind of a dangerous topic, I think. It has the potential to be uh, inflammatory. Um, but not just globalism, kind of globalism and nationalism. Economic nationalism, cultural na- nationalism, and also economic globalism and cultural globalism. And these, these are, we have these kind of four quarters of the puzzle here and how they relate to one another. So we'll be back in just a minute. Listen to our theme music and we're coming back with Waylon. Dato also sparks our enthusiasm. I just asked Waylon if I should change the opening music. He said no. He loves it. Um, con- there we go. There you I'm go. On. You can breathe again. Thank God. And then I got a frog in my throat immediately. Yeah, you know, I got to say, you know, you weren't here last week, so I had Professor Greg 
white come on. And I just listened to the recording, and I talked the whole time. Oh, that doesn't happen with us. No, that's what I'm saying. It was almost like I had finally was able to breathe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, and you know, I feel bad now because I have to, like, send him a text saying, hey, I just <laughs> listened to the episode. I talked the whole time. I'm the host. But I think it might be he's a little older than me. He's definitely more sage than I am. Yeah. He's a professor. He's a great guy. And I think it might be one of those things like the younger person always talks more. What do you think about that? Well, let me tell you about a 30-minute soliloquy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. This is is correct. No, I think that that's true. Yeah. I think that, you know, you, you, even in the class, like, even in the classroom, I think, Hmm. you know, you got to step back and, like, listen more. And I think that that restraint is something that you're just out of the get, you know, out of the get-go, you're trying to, you're trying to um, always get your point across. Yeah. But it's better to hear the other individual's point first to then understand what they said and then mold. Or so, corral. Yeah. I they, think they're going to be more cor- apt to agree you, with you. I think it's corralling. Yeah. What now, I, say? I, I just tricked you into acknowledging that I'm wiser and more sage. I mean, I am older. Yeah, you got more you. grays. That's why. I do. Well, not that much yeah. more grays. I'm talking about beard grays. Yeah, I don't. Brother. Your whole beard is gray. You look, like Santa, <laughs> you look like a heavily tanned Santa Claus right now. Now, before when I was trying to impress you with my production, what was the story you wanted to tell okay. me? Okay. So, in the in the jail time, that's what I'm going to call it from now on. Jail time in the beginning where I can't talk. Yeah. Uh, so you know, Norm comes in and he puts in a USB stick, and then he fails to press the rebu- the button. Twice to record. You gotta hit the button. You gotta hit the button, and then it blinks red. Today, and then it flashes. Yeah, that little red button. No, up there. but I did. Yeah, I know. But okay. then, then you know, I started teasing him and everything. And you know, he was uh, looking to me for support in in his achievement of putting in the oh. USB the first way, no, the first no. time, getting the USB stick in there. But it reminds me of a story when students go, "Oh yeah, you know, like I could take that picture or whatever." Um, and I always tell my students. Uh, it's like, I'm going to butcher this story, but guy has a huge machine. Butcher it quick. Okay. Ready? Guy has a big machine, right? Uh, factory. He's, he makes widgets, right? Uh, part, the machine goes down, calls up a guy. First guy comes in, spends a day on it. Whole day on it. Can't figure it out. Pays the guy. Second day. Got another guy comes in whole day. Doesn't fix the machine. Third day. Guy comes in. Looks at the machine, gives it a knock, opens it up, presses something, and immediately fixes it. And he goes, $10,000, please. He goes, $10,000? What, what, what for? He goes, it's not about the amount of time that's spent. It's not about the, the, the work that's spent doing it. It's about the time it took me, for me to learn it up all the way to the point where it took me 10 seconds to fix that for you. Yes. I'm still waiting for acknowledgement for what I <laughs> so, did. So exactly. So that's your acknowledgement right there. Oh, is okay. you come in, this you go it. boop, and you hit the hit the little button casually, and then you look over to me. But you know, I didn't want to give it to you first off, like very quickly. I'm not gonna. I want to mm-hmm. you know dangle that carrot a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like defiance of just you 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 call me out like that. So I had to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. But. I get it. Long story short, you did it in about 10 seconds, and to your credit, we're, we're rolling. Well, we're and I also, I still think you're missing the what I think was my better moment, which is I took it out, 
put it on my laptop and made oh, sure the double it was recording. The double check. I'm not seeing oh. they're putting it in there and hitting records the thing. It's that. That's the actual production. I'll give you thing. that. I mean, how many times my students come back and they did a beautiful video and they don't have audio because they forgot to put the batteries on. That's it. I mean, triple, triple, triple check. Yep. And, you know, we deal with this in the high school. Every time there's oh, yeah. technology used, it breaks. Yeah. I say the best way to use technology in a presentation is to not use it. Because yeah. nine times out of ten, you actually don't need to mic anyone. You do not need to, the PowerPoint. You just don't need it. Yeah. And it's all, there's a good chance that it won't work, and et cetera. It's too sunny. You can't see the projector. You know what I want to incorporate? The orators of old used to sit there, and then they would have repeaters. So they would they would sit huh. there. You would you would you know stay your really? whole thing, and then you know fifty feet back in the crowd there'd be people that were just spreading it out. If it's a huge crowd, what, what, what's the context there? That's interesting. Like I think it's like soapbox. I want to say like seventeenth, eighteenth century type thing, where hmm. you know you get bigger crowds and you try to disseminate information and things like that. You know, coliseums and I stuff, you can, stuff. the acoustics and everything, but you don't necessarily yeah, always have sure. the acoustics. I think for the army, definitely. Yeah. The Roman army must have had some kind of system like that. Yeah. They were in, th- in the thousands. There's no way they could have heard I know. What, what would they do, speak. signals and stuff, hand signals? and. I wonder about hand signals. Yeah. I mean, there was, and there's flags was a big thing yeah. for orders. Giving orders was flags. They would use flags and, of course, smoke signals. I mean, you think about that. I mean... The speed of communication is huge in oh, terms yeah. of adv- uh, tactical advantage, um, etc. All right, well, let's move on. Um, we're going to talk about globalism and nationalism today. And I just want to, and I'm not poking fun at you, um, but your outfits, your like main look, and I don't think I'd include the van in this so much. Yeah. I, I think it's more you. You have found or you seek out the crevice between globalism and nationalism as a human being. I would say that in the United States today, you are in a very small category, very tiny category of someone who literally festers in the crevice. I mean, fester is not a good word. (laughs) Uh, Festers in the crevice. Festers in the crevice. I'm not even going to elaborate on that. But... um, and I think I do to a lesser extent. You know, I, I, I would say to a lesser extent. But my aesthetic is also one of kind of hard to tell. You know, we have solar panels, but I have an American flag in the front of my house. I wear Hawaiian shirts, but I have a Chevy. But, you know, it's kind of hard yeah, to say. pivoting. I, well, okay, so it's pivoting. Um, I think it's being able to pivot, right? And being aware of all of the pivots in the pivot points that are involved in a complex scenario and situation. Okay, but let's so let's get back to you. And I, I think that, you know, you have the leather jacket, um, you have the American flag on the back of the, any jacket you wear. All of them. All of them. All of them. And at the same time, you have globalist skills. You have a globalist skill set. Mm-hmm. I think you have a globalist perspective. And oh, I, for sure. I think sometimes I'll be honest with you to a fault. I oh think. yeah. Um, I think, well, I think it's to a fault any time that you're leveraging the fact that we're globalists in an American society, okay. because we're stepping on other people's feet to mm-hmm. get what we want, and we get what we want. Yeah. And I think that you know, I acknowledge that, but at the same time, you know, I'm at you know, I I push those. I shop at Walmart. Yeah. You know, I shop at Target. I, you know, I I I delightfully get things on Amazon. I'll get a small little item. 
So this is actually really interesting that what you just brought up, because I feel like present day 2019 mm-hmm. globalism is associated with the left, actually. Right. This is a, a funny dynamic that globalism has become associated, both economic, I think. Well, first of all, economic globalism belongs to the center and even the center right and the center left. Maybe the far left and the far right are not global economic. Right. I think that, that yeah. on I one side, the far yeah. right on is the conservative not. side, we w- you would say, you know, American made all the way. Uh, you you have to keep those. I mean, I guess everybody liberals mm-hmm. would say the same thing. I don't see this is where I think that the, this has become a kind of odd conversation because you just describe globalism as the big American footprint, which I think is uh, accurate. Yeah, it is the price That's, of energy yeah. and mm-hmm. all this stuff that goes into cheap goods and coming from China. It'd be interesting to trace how the left became so embracing of globalism, uh, both economic and cultural. Now, cultural globalism is different, right? If they're overlapped, yeah. they're deeply enmeshed, but it's different. It's a big mask. It's a big. It, it is a big mask there, and you know you can you can say that in a malevolent way or a benign way. But mm-hmm. it's a big mask. It's um, in some ways, it's that ambassadorship is the first pretense that you need to get into a society in order to start working the mechanisms of the economics. And you see that right now with China in a lot of African nations. Come in, you know, develop the business, and then when you get those roots set there, you're basically expanding into a new form of colonialism. Sure. And so, but you need that get in the door first with, you know, the knock, and that knock is kind of that globalist um, cultural assimilation. Interesting. Maybe not assimilation, but um, introduction. Well, I I guess that's a question. You know, which comes first? Do the economic roots come first and then a cultural, or is it cultural first, then economic? I think it probably depends on the country or situation that you're trying to uh, enmesh yourself into or exploit or whatever the word is. Uh, but before we move on to that, I, I really think it's, it is really interesting that, you know, we think of globalism, there's probably many different kinds of globalism. You think of the George W. Bush era globalism, which is a very aggressive, neoconservative, really force American values upon the world. Yeah. You know, Kant's perpetual peace that, like, if every, everyone's a democracy, then we're always going to have peace and we're going to have the biggest open market we can have. Neoliberalism, right? Neoliberalism yep. is the idea that free markets rule. You know, it's not the liberal of what we think of. But it's interesting that Trump has started to frame stuff in such an adversarial way that so many of these people who had great differences are now in bed to, with one another. You know, George W. Bush and Obama look they're very friendly these days, um, and particularly the economic globalists are, are in a tight pack with one another, including Jeff Bezos, who owns the Washington Post, and all of this stuff. But I, my fear is that it leads a lot of good people to be supporting things that are really uh, antithetical to what they believe, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's... I mean, I think that just going into that, Trump's the catalyst for a lot of things where all of a sudden you start flipping things and you start re 
re you start navigating in in the compass in different ways where you're just plopped down in the middle of nowhere and now have to navigate a situation which is utterly ridiculous and i think just going back real quick and with this in mind to the idea of what comes for like the chicken and the egg and the economic versus cultural uh introduction of you know globalism um one thing i read this this week was uh a spat which trump had with uh iran about and they uh, had called him mentally retarded hmm. and I'm just sitting there and I'm just you know my, my I'm just reeling and I'm just like how do I imagine just me sitting next to you and going oh look at that would you would you look at that you know uh, Trump was just called mentally retarded by Iran do you ever think that we lived in a time of that so just going back to the cultural versus economic I mean the he gets in these spats with people and it becomes this the cultural is embedded in in the economic because then the, there's justifications in both, and uh, just as you know, colonial powers, mm. uh, you know, preceding this would say, "Oh, well, we're going to go in and we're going to make the lives of these individuals in these African nations, for instance, uh, better because they're uncivilized, and we're going to we're going to treat them in a." Uh, I don't want to say, well, in some cases subhuman, but in a, in a kind of, in a negative, view them in a negative light to justify what we're doing economically and globally. White, white man's burden. Yeah, head in exactly. European imperialism yeah. called white man's burden. And so if you get into these, you, if you get into these modern day spats, if you get into these kind of tussles where the only thing that you hear is... Iran called the president of the United States mentally retarded, then the justifications for all of the complexities in, uh, you know, diplomacy, political matters, and economic matters all peel away. And that's where the compass is now navigated to. Hmm. Because you're not thinking of all the things that actually matter. You're thinking about everything in a middle, middle school fight type of situation. Well, it's interesting, though, you know, this does offer some perspective on Trump in regards to this, because it almost seems like insults are the way he makes friends. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? Because he doesn't, they could insult him a lot and he would be okay with it and he would still want to sit down with them. I mean, that is unusual because Kim Jong-un and the North Koreans, they insulted him a lot and he insulted them a lot and then they sat down a couple of times. So... <laughs> You know, it's it's this funny. I don't know if it's the New Yorker in him or what, but it's it's be him being called anything is not the end of the game for him. Like it doesn't keep him from saying, "Well, maybe I'll sit down with them." Well, I think it's the it's the opposite. I think it's when he, him calling other individuals stuff is not the end. I think when other individuals call him things, I mean, no. if you ever see the correspondence dinner with Trump and Obama, and Obama's calling out Trump, sure. And he's just sitting there, and he cannot take well, any I'm insults or jokes. Well, I'm telling you, the North Koreans insulted him greatly, and he still had peace talks with them. Yeah, but I think that that's a lot of individuals behind the scenes just no, pulling those strings. It I mean, it's a, it's a fact, though. I think we have to accept it as a fact that he was insulted massively and still proceeded. Yeah. I mean, for what it's, it's really not but worth for, much. For what, yeah, for what is it worth? Well, it's interesting that the other... Uh, actors are also playing the insult game too, right? It's not just the American president, but Rouhani and Kim Jong-un and other people. I mean, why would they want to do that game? What's going on in that game? When did, how did this happen? There's probably some historical precedent for it, right? Yeah. 
and I mean, it's I not think, the first time that world leaders have called each other names. Well, and I mean, it's it's just kind of like a bastardized version of a teasing game in which you play with loving individuals in your life or individuals in, that you're, you're trying to establish a relationship with. We no. were talking the other day about how, you know, um, the, the students that I'm closest with tease me and I tease them relentlessly. Yeah. And we have this give and take and back and forth and and it's um, both highlighting certain perceived or just exaggerated weaknesses in personality to then communicate effectively with that. It's it's so you do that behind the scenes. I think that there's a certain level of animosity that that doesn't so it like everything that we're talking about doesn't apply in the situation, but it'd be interesting to have a politician that can do those ribs and go back and forth and do it in a tongue-in-cheek manner and then go, okay, you know, now we can sit down to the table and well, now they exist. Joe Biden, it sounds like Joe Biden yeah. a little bit. Yeah, and there I'll are give, others that. that are like that. I mean, to me, it's how I make friends. Yeah. It's actually how I make friends, too. Um, it's how I met my wife. I mean, one of our first long conversations, I said that she... People said she wasn't smart. You know, it was a way, <laughs> it's a way of kind of trying to achieve intimacy quickly. So you're this lucky that um, we're pre-recording this, so uh, Rob can't call in. And, right. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, there's no call-ins because this is pre-recorded, but, you know, Rob, actually... Rob, you're a brilliant and a beautiful well, person. There's and, no um, question. And, but no, I'm, I'm also married to her, so I know, somehow, I know, I know. somehow it worked out. You know, and that's what yeah. that's what's puzzling. But it, it does create intimacy. And I think that's one of the problems I have in the Valley a little bit. Is that that's like not necessarily typical here, that you that you kind of tease somebody. I think you can do it with students, but yeah. with adults, they're kind of like, whoa, wait a second, that's you're moving. Maybe you're just moving a little bit too fast for me. I think boundaries are stricter when it comes to that. I think the students are still navigating those those um, those school. things. And on top of that, like bringing it back to globalism, like there is no room for there is no tolerance in the the way in which you're kind of talking to each other nation to nation everything is politically correct yeah right well there is that there's that issue as well and so we're that's just some that's the times we're dealing with a little bit and we talked about that in the free speech episode um we're gonna do a little bit of music right now and we're gonna come back and we're gonna start tackling globalism and nationalism again all right so let's go with some tortoise and higher intelligence mm-hmm. 